Hello, everyone. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. This is number 300, and the title of it is A Four-Point Leadership Analysis to Evaluate Yourself. I have developed an infographic and a, a mind map, a highly detailed mind map. And they're sitting here inside these show notes, and you can have these two graphics free. You can print them off. Did you know that you can go to the bottom of any article or any website episode? You can go to the bottom of it, and you can hit the print button, and you can print the article or the show notes that I have here, or our graphics. You can print them off in a PDF. You're welcome to do that. And in this episode, number 300, I have a infographic, and then I have a, a, a highly detailed mind map that lays out this four-point leadership idea that we use in our Mastermind program. Our Mastermind program is our all-online training that we, where people come to us and they want to grow in the area of discipleship, and we come alongside them to help them to grow. But these graphics and the things that I'm sharing with you in this episode, you don't have to be a student in our program for example, if you're a parent and you want to identify the strengths and weaknesses of your children and you want to be able to understand them in a, a highly detailed way, then I appeal to you to listen to this podcast and then grab this infographic and grab the mind map and work through it. You use it as a filter to run a child through to be able to help to gain clarity on who they are, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and, and, and where you could come alongside them to shore them up as you, as you continue to move them down this trajectory to release them at some point, hopefully to be men and women under God's authority, living in God's world. And so you could use these two graphics here as a parenting tool, and I would encourage you to do that. When most people come to our Mastermind program, what they think predominantly, what they think is that it's the coursework. It's about the coursework. We're going to take, we're going to take some uh, classes on theology and take some on sanctification, take some on application. We'll have a practicum, and, and there'll be a lot of interactive moving parts, and it's all part of the coursework, and that's what's going to develop me. Well, in actuality, that's not true in a primary sense. The coursework, the classwork that our students do is secondary to the primary work that happens in their lives. The primary thing that happens in their lives is the leadership development that these two graphics talk about, and I'm going to walk through them in detail uh, in this podcast. The coursework, the classwork, is like background music that plays throughout their training. It is absolutely essential. You can't... You, you, you can't do it without it. You have to have this classroom activity. You have to do this work, but it's not the primary thing when it comes to the leadership development. It is supplemental. I want to walk through and give you an idea of the things that I look for in our students. I don't look for, did they do a good topical assignment? Did they do a good book report? Did they do a good case study? I mean, I look at those things, but that's not where I put the emphasis with our students. I put the emphasis on 1A, the things that are inside these two graphics 
that I'm about to share. So in this episode, I want to walk you through the four-point leadership assessment process that we implement to help our students to identify their strengths, their weaknesses, while giving them an idea of how they can best serve God in their local communities. You see, no two leaders are the same because God has a different calling, a different experience for each of us. Some folks are outstanding in one area while others excel in in another place that is unique to their gifting. And so when a person comes to us for training, we have a process for assessing them, a filter, if you wish, hoping to place them in God's world using the special gifts that, that he gives them and they can use them in an optimal way. And this is very similar to how we parent, realizing that each child is different. We have to, we have to give customized parental care and leadership to each child to bring them along according to, one, what God is doing in their life, and two, according to what God has given them, their strengths and their weaknesses. And so when a student comes to us, everybody goes through the same classes, Everybody is doing the same assignments, but that's 1B. That's the background music that plays for two or three or four years. There is something else that I'm looking at with each individual. Let me, let me lay it out for you. Again, this is episode 300, a four-point leadership analysis to evaluate yourself. Now, in the infographic, I have... The way that I lay it out, there's a sequential order here, and and I have four words that move in a sequence like four links in a chain. Each one of them starts with a C. And so the linkage works like this. The first link is character. The second one is capacity. The third one is competence. And the fourth one is courage. Those are the four links Those are the four filters that I look through as I assess each one of our students. Now, I want to give you some some synonyms or I want to give you some words, seven words for each one of these to, to help to open it up in your mind and hopefully give you clarity about what I mean by each one of these four words, character, capacity competence, and courage, and that's what this first infographic points out to you. So if you think about character as a bucket, and then inside that bucket, I'm going to, I'm going to give you, there's a word cloud that I'm going to put inside that bucket, and that word cloud is seven words. It's not an exhaustive list of what character is, but it gives you an idea of some of the things that, that I am looking for when I'm assessing a student's character. Here's the seven words. Integrity, affection, morality, self-control, faithfulness, honesty, and purity. And so character is a bucket. Inside that bucket are these seven words, and it helps you to get kind of an understanding of what I'm looking for in a student. Now, out of that character, character is the foundation. Character is the most important thing. And then you build on top of that character, you set their capacity on top of the of their character, who they are as their internal being, how they are with God, how they are in the dark, character. And then on top of that is capacity. Now, inside the capacity bucket, here are seven words. 
And I will explain some of these in more detail, which is what the mind map is for, by the way. So inside the capacity bucket, there are such things that I look for in intellect, cognition, analysis, understanding, stamina, peripheral vision, and discernment. There are seven words, seven ideas inside the capacity bucket. And so we have character as the foundation, capacity as the next layer. And then depending on what their capacity is, you have competence. Now inside the competence bucket, things that I'm looking for is application, creativeness, practice, behavior, ability, modeling, and then process slash methods. And that is inside the competence bucket. And, and I promise you, I mean, each student is different. The size of each student's bucket is different. And that's why it's so, incent- that's why it's so essential for, for me that we just don't give them coursework. Because what happens in a lot of training, what happens in college, for example, what happens in virtually every school, everybody goes in, they get the same curriculum. Everybody goes in, they get the same training, they get the same teaching, same words, same exams, same books. And that's fine, but that has to be background music that, that is helpful and serves a non-negotiable role, no question, but then what we have to do is to consider the u- uniqueness of that of each student, and that's what we do in our program. And again, the four areas are character, capacity, competence, and then finally, courage, the courage bucket. And so character is the foundation, capacity sits on top of it, their capacity determines their competence, and then out of competence is, is their courage. And here are seven words that will help explain Courage, leadership, gathering ability, empathy versus sympathy, confidence, clearly direct, free thinker, and humility. And so those are some of the things that come out of the courage bucket. Now, all of that is in this infographic, everything that I just shared with you. And then in the mind map... I have, it is, there's a lot of data here, and there's no way, it wouldn't even be wise for me to share everything on this mind map because it's too much information to honestly to hear. You really have to look at it visually. I'm going to hit a few of these, but I'm not going to hit it all because it would be TMI. It would be too much information. But if you want to do a deeper dive into this idea of leadership development, the way that we do it, looking at these four categories of character, capacity, competence, and courage, and then looking at these 28 words. There's seven words around each one. And then I have a definition for each of those 28 words. That's why it's too much information. So let me hit just a couple of them just to give you an idea of of what I'm looking for in our students. And so let's take the most important one, and that is character. By far, no exception, character is the most important one. And one of the words that I mentioned to you was integrity. Integrity, and this is how I'm defining it, showing a consistent and uncompromising adherence to strong moral and ethical principles and values. A person of integrity 
Integrity flows out of their character. And a person of integrity, they show a consistent, meaning regularly, day by day, week by week, month by month. But not only consistent, but it's uncompromising. A consistent and uncompromising adherence to strong moral and ethical principles and values, that's just a nice way of saying an uncompromising adherence to God's Word. And so that's what I'm looking for in our in our students as far as character. Here's another one, self-control. Self-control is an inner strength that a person has to regulate their thoughts, their emotions, their words, and their actions. And so our thoughts causes emotions. Out of our thoughts come words and actions. And so self-control is an inner strength that regulates thoughts, like a barometer, or, or, or a, a maybe that, if that's the right illustration, a barometer that regulates thoughts. I realize as I was saying that, I'm not sure what a barometer is, but it's inner strength to regulate your thoughts, your emotions, your words, and your actions. We, if we have a student that is just all over the map in their thinking, all over the map in their emotions, or uh, they're up and down with their words, kind and unkind, or, you know, full of fear, for example, that comes out in their words, so forth, things like that, and their actions, well, then they lack self-control, and that is important. Because, you see, the goal of the training is that someday these students will be sitting in front of somebody and helping them. And the goal is always that person that they're helping. The goal is always the counselee, the disciplee, the person who is receiving our care. And that's why it is on me to make sure that we assess them as faithfully and consistently and honestly as we can, because we don't want to hurt anybody. We don't want to hurt a counselee or a disciplee or someone who is looking for their help. And so we have to be honest with our students. And if, they're, if they show weak integrity, if they don't have that inner strength, that self-control. I didn't finish the definition, by the way. Let me give you the definition of self-control. An inner strength to regulate thoughts, emotions, words, and actions because they are under the control of God's thoughts. There's the regulator. God's thoughts, His Word regulates us. That is self-control. That's where the inner strength comes from. But if a person is not under the management of God, then they won't have that inner strength. And their thoughts and emotions and their words and their actions can be given up to the vicissitudes of, of whatever's going on around them. And so self-control is essential. Now, I have several. I have five other words here, too, that are all defined, and you can read it on the mind map. Again, character is integrity, affection, morality— self-control, purity, honesty, and faithfulness. And so that is the foundation. And then on top of that is, is capacity. And everybody has a different capacity. As I, I tell our students sometimes, we're, we're looking to see if you have a 95-mile-an-hour fastball or a 45-mile-an-hour fastball, and I don't care which one it is. It's irrelevant to me. What is relevant is, is that we have a clear, sober assessment of who we are and what we can do. Because again, 
the end game here is to be helping people, and we don't want to hurt them. And if our character is not what it should be, or our capacity is not what it should be to help a person, that the help they need is a grade level higher than what my capacity is, we need to be honest about that. And so it's critical that we understand or try to help the student to understand what their capacities are. And so the seven words that I mention in this bucket of capacity is intellect, cognition, analysis, understanding, discernment, peripheral vision, and stamina. Let me take the word cognition. Cognition is how a person acquires knowledge, processes it, and draws accurate conclusions from those processes. And so you can think of, think of cognition like three gates. It's how a person acquires knowledge. The knowledge goes through the first gate. How do they acquire that knowledge? And then the second gate is how they process it. And then the third gate is they draw accurate conclusions. And so some people might not acquire the right knowledge. They might not ask the right questions. They might not know. They might not have the discernment, which is another category here under capacity. But whatever that knowledge is, they acquire it, and then they process it, and then they draw accurate, hopefully accurate conclusions from those processes while not mapping their experience over it. And that is a key statement right there, a key phrase, not mapping their experience over it. So many people who are doing the work of counseling have a difficult time setting, their presupposition is so thick, their interpretive filter is so thick, and it's based on their experience that they see everything through their experience, and thus it affects their cognition. How they acquire knowledge, process knowledge, they can't draw accurate conclusions from those processes because they are mapping their experience over it. It dims and dulls and affects your cognition. And this is something that I look at when, again, when we're helping our students to mature through our program. Another one is analysis. Analysis is the leader who can break down big ideas, break down big relationship problems, break down complicated situations into smaller bits, into smaller, smaller elements to examine the process biblically. That's analysis. As a matter of fact, if you look at this mind map, you will see a, a, an illustration of analysis. I'm taking this idea of leadership. That's the big idea. And then I'm breaking it down into four component parts. Character, capacity, competence, and courage. And then outside of or inside each one of these four buckets, I have seven words. For capacity, I have intellect, cognition, analysis, understanding, discernment, peripheral vision, and stamina. And then I give a definition for each one of those. And so it's taking this big idea of leadership and breaking it down into smaller bits so that you can look at each one in a microscopic way. And then you be able to understand the fuller complexities of what is going on and you can examine it because you're not looking at just some big ambiguous clump called leadership, but you can't see the elements inside of it or have a way of examining those elements so you have a fuller understanding of 
what is going on. A person who is counseling must have this analytical ability. A husband and wife comes to them. That's the big idea. They have a problem. And the counselor has to be able to analytically get inside of that and break out all the component parts and examine each one microscopically. And the more that they can understand all the bit parts, then they put it back together and then they will be able to help them, the counselee, the couple, to understand. And so that's part of capacity. All right, competence. The competence bucket had, again, seven words. I mentioned to you application, creative, practice, behavior, process method, modeling, and ability. Let's take the word creative just as one illustration. A person who is highly competent, they can take the unique person that they are helping and they can think outside the box and be able to not, not just give them cookie-cutter counseling. They don't fall into the trap of the cookie-cutter counseling motif, but they can actually hear what's going on, ask the right questions, understand the problem through an analytical process, for example, or cognition, as I was saying earlier, and then give this individual customized care according to the uniqueness of the individual setting in front of them. By the way, this is how we do our training in our mastermind program. We do not do cookie-cutter training. That's why there is this 1A, 1B that I talked about. Everybody receives the same classwork. Everybody goes through the same course. Everybody reads the same. They go through the same case studies. Everybody gets the same information. But what we have to do as their supervisors is we have to now be able to study them and understand them uniquely so that we don't give every student the same kind of care. And I do believe that's one of the things that sets our training apart because you receive customized care. Someone asked me years ago, a, a husband asked me, he said, my wife and I want to come in the program. Can we just come in together and work it together? I said, no, you, I said it in a better way than this, but basically, no, you can't. You both can come into the program, but you will not be trained together because even though you're one flesh, you're two different individuals. And I, I, wanted, I communicated that to them because I wanted them to understand that this is not like most training that you receive. You can go to a, a training class as a husband and wife, and you can take it as a husband and wife, but our training goes beyond informational. Our training is designed to be informational and transformational. And that's this idea of creative. Now, Jesus was very good at this, by the way. And as you read through the Gospels, you will see Jesus interacting with people all the time with the same problem. Nicodemus, for example, the woman at the well, the rich young ruler, all the Pharisees, virtually everybody that he interacted with in the context of what I'm communicating here, they all had the same problem. They weren't born again. But he customized his care to them. They all had the same problem. Our students all come in for the same training, but they receive customized care. Now, if you are counseling somebody, this person with a marriage problem and that person with a marriage problem, they may have the same type of marriage problem, but your care will be different 
because you know how to do that. Otherwise, you're just going to cliche them to death. You need to read this scripture. You need to read the Bible. You need to pray. You need to attend your church meetings. You need to meet with your pastor, etc. It's the same old counsel. That's a person that is not creative. They don't have the ability of analysis. All they can do is cookie cutter, but that's fine. That is absolutely fine as long as they understand the limitations of their, of their gifting. And so we have character, and there's a word cloud around that of seven words. We have capacity, seven more words. Competence, now we have 21 words altogether. And then last, we have courage. Now, let me mention a couple of things about, about courage. Uh, one of uh, the seven words were leadership, gathering ability, empathy versus sympathy, confidence, humility, free thinker, and clearly direct. I'll just mention two things. One is gathering ability. Gathering ability is the ability to draw others to you. A following is proportional to leadership gifting. If you're not a good leader, then you won't have many followers. Now, it's not about followers, and it's not about numbers. I'm just speaking in an objective way. I'm speaking formulaically here. I'm speaking mathematically, logically here, that if you're a strong leader, good leader, you'll have a following. And if you don't, you won't have that gathering ability. People won't gather around you. And I'm not even making a distinction between moral leaders and immoral leaders. Hitler had a, a leadership gift. He had the, the ability to persuade people. Unfortunately, we know that it was horrific and evil in every way imaginable, in ways that we can't even imagine. But in an objective way, he had a gathering ability. He could gather people around him. Jesus had a gathering ability. And so one of the things that I look for in our students is are people drawn to them because they want their help? And one of the reasons that this is important is because it's not unusual for a person to want to go into biblical counseling because they have selfish ambition. They just want a, a doctor on the front of their name or letters on the end of their name, or they want a ministry, or they want certification, and it's all about selfish ambition. It's all about their reputation. And some of them just aren't good at what they do. And I have shared with more than one person that you really don't have the gift for doing this. And one of the ways that you can test to see if you have the gift is turn around and look behind you. There's nobody following. You aren't a, a discipleship magnet. And so that's one of the things that we do look for. Are people drawn to this person and they want to hear what this person has to say? Uh, a gathering ability. And then another one that I put here, and I want to draw attention to it because it might be it would sound odd on face, and you, you probably already thought about it, and that's the word humility. Some of you would say, well, wouldn't humility go under character? Well, yes, it would. Humility would go under character. You could put it under character, but I put it under courage on purpose. And though it's a character trait, here's why I put it under courage. It takes courage to admit wrong. It takes humility to admit wrong. I just substituted the word courage there. It takes courage to admit wrong, or you could say it takes humility to admit wrong. It takes humility to confront evil with the right heart attitude. There are people who will confront evil with an attitude from Hades, 
and you feel it when they confront you. But, but, but it takes a, a leader with courage, has the courage to step up and say, I have sinned, like there's an act of humility in that. Or a person who humbles himself before you when they confront you, well, that is an interplay between courage and, and humility. It takes humility to do the right thing regardless of popular opinion. And so courage and and interplay, courage and humility, there is an interplay there. And that's why I put it under courage, because I wanted to highlight it specifically. Now, I have other things here. Again, I have seven words wrapped around each one of these four. There's 28 words altogether, 28 definitions. There are four primary words, and they all fit under the idea of leadership. And you can look at this mind map, I would encourage you to do that. You can look at the infographic that has an at-a-glance view of these four words and the, the seven descriptors. One final thing is that when a person comes to us, a man or a woman come to, comes to us at our mastermind program, it, it's important that, that we communicate, and it's important that you hear this, that we communicate to them and that you hear this, that we are not looking for the perfection of any of these things, because the truth is none of us have perfected any of these things. And I think sometimes we can get hung up on it because we can look at this and say, I'm not even close to that. Well, that's probably accurate for most of us. You want to make a distinction between the perfection of these things and the presence of them. What we're looking for in our students is the presence of these things. Are they present? Are they active in some, even in a small way? Not the perfection, just the presence. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Check all these resources out. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.